Hello and welcome to yet another undefeated week for the Syracuse Orange, which, what? Uh, I, I have no words. I didn't even say the name of the podcast because this is so confusing. Uh, <laughs> this is this week's edition of Troy Nunes is an Absolute Podcast. Uh, Steve Haller here, joining me as always, Christian Guzman and Andy Pregler. What's it feel like to be 6-0, guys? You know what's weird when we're not the undefeated orange color team asking the fans to help us crowdfund for new goalposts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. So perfect. So we called football yesterday, rare form, just like a plus no notes. Great, great day. Great day. So yeah, we, we <laughs> did it. We somehow, wild. <laughs> yeah, we somehow made it past, uh, the Wolfpack from NC state. And we've also found a way to, uh, I don't know how many times we can possibly hear have the best opening record to a season since 1987. I think at this point, people can stop saying that since we went undefeated that year. <laughs> so when we've made it to that point, the bar kind of just changes. Yeah. Well, well, Nate Mink, uh, change, change the different bar. Um, because, uh, uh, he, he came up with a pretty, pretty good stat. I want to read this out like verbatim from Nate. Um, because Nate's always good at this stuff uh, from Syracuse.com. Uh, the last time Syracuse was 6-0 and and faced another 6-0 and team or better came when they played 7-0 and Penn State back in 1959. Which, for Syracuse fans, that was the national championship year. Huh. Okay. So that's some perspective there. Um, and some that I did not anticipate. Uh, <laughs> pulled that one out of the depths. But... Yep. Um, I can say first impressions, like I've been in the press box a couple of times this year. We had talked about how stupidly loud the new roof is. Um, I'm utterly amazed that I can hear what's coming through these cans right now because that was just insanity in that building. Uh, I think Kenny Lacey, yeah, Kenny Lacey had a decibel meter and uh, we peaked 110, which is literally sitting next to a running chainsaw for a repeated amount of time. So um, put that in perspective. If you've got a chainsaw next year, that's how loud it was in the dome. I mean, this is the craziest thing is that like, I uh, was starting to like wonder what kind of decibel rating we were going to get. Like Arrowhead allegedly got to 142 decibels in 2014 um, for a chiefs game which is just insane. Um, and then Seattle has one has hit 137. Uh, the Superdome, which is the indoor the stadium there, is that like has hit like 136. Um, Lucas Oil, I was gonna say has I was, I'm looking at this list right now that kind of like tracks it at different stadiums. Um, this is, this is pretty great because there's a lot of stadiums on here where it's like AT&T Stadium, a.k.a. known as Jerry World, tops out at 87. Uh, Heinz Field, <laughs> now known as Acrisure, tops out at 90. Uh, Lucas Oil tops out at 86. Like, you're, you're, we are legitimately looking at when there's a full house in there, having a competitive advantage that is one of the best in the world. Like... In terms of loudness. And I think that that's like, when we talk about the on the field stuff of this game, I wrote about it in my long recap, Steve. I think that everybody was kind of tweeting about it. You were feeling it. Uh, 
NC State struggled with that noise. Yeah. Um, and that is, this is now what we've been doing this show for the last, like through its entirety since the new roof has been on. This is like the fifth or sixth time that we've let off a show being like, yeah, this, the, the crowd noise actively impacted what other teams are doing. Like, I think that we can officially say this is a true home field advantage that is one of the best in the country for the orange. Yeah, and this is, I mean, it's a new concept. You don't have to sacrifice comfortability to get a home field advantage. See, AC is good. Okay, <laughs> see, you know? There are it, other ways to get your home field advantage other than making everybody sweat. Right. It, so it worked out Worked out in hindsight. I Yeah, I, I sent out a tweet with, uh, my watch was yelling at me because Apple has a decibel, like, oh, monitor. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm I saw sitting a couple there. of those on Twitter. Yeah, and I got a notification. People, I'm like, Huh? Oh, okay. Like Ken Rosenthal was tweeting that for the Phillies games this during the NLDS against yep. uh, the Braves, that his uh, iPhone was tweeting him decibel warnings. <laughs> hey, this is too loud. Well, here you go. So, yeah, um, I guess 12th man, because that was a sold-out packed house, and it was legit, like, you looked around, outside of, like, a top, top corner of the student overflow overflow. Like, they filled the lower bowl, they filled everything above it, and then one corner of 106 might not have had some people in it, from what I could gather. I mean, you can only see so much from the press box. There might have been gray behind me, but um, that was a lot of people there, and we haven't seen that in a long time either. It also, again, like, and they and they always bring it up. Coaches say, oh, okay, we're, we're going to... S- we know it's coming, and uh, Mike Monaco brought it up on the broadcast, saying that Dave Dorian told them, we knew it was coming, so we bumped the crowd noise during practice. But like we said a couple of weeks ago, any crowd noise that you can try and replicate, if you're going to do it for the Carrier Dome, has to be done in an indoor facility because the acoustics and the cam- timbre of those acoustics don't match up the same as in an outdoor facility. Yeah, 100%. And that's that's going to be something that we struggle with, no matter what, uh, or what other teams struggle with, no matter what is, uh, you know, when or when and how they're playing with us, just to, you know, be able to replicate that. Um, there was, yeah, there was probably, I mean, all those false starts outside of I think one of them, and um, dare I say, even the the weird snap fumble, whatever the hell that was, that uh, went over Jack Chambers' helmet, yeah. um, all were almost a direct result of holy crap i can't hear myself think i can't imagine what they're feeling down there i i think i think it might have yeah it might have been the center fault because chambers like chambers was saying something too i think it was houston whoever the running back was and then as he turned around the ball was at his face yeah yep yeah he had no idea that was coming Mm -hmm. it's this uh amazing to watch thing from the tv because again espn refuses to figure out how to uh properly mic a crowd so the crowd mic was right next to the band so uh the tv broadcast was incredibly loud because of you know a band being right next to the (laughs) mic um but right but you knew it was getting really loud in there when the noise was starting to deafen out the band um so it definitely is something that's very noticeable. I think it's a great pitch for the new stadium and for the home field advantage. Again, uh, I mentioned this on Twitter. I think a lot of people have is that 
you know, the 2018 season was really special, uh, you know, nine and three regular season. Uh, but that was a year where Syracuse won every game at the Dome. And it's become incredibly clear that, you know, the recipe for success is here. Uh, win your home games. And Syracuse has a home field advantage that can allow them to do so if there is enough of a vested interest in the community to come out and fill the dome and get loud in these situations. Um, yeah, and so they showed again, last, the, last week that if they do show up at that time and do show up in a, uh, um, or well, let me rephrase that. The team showed that if they show out and, you know, put forward a product that people want to see and there's hype behind the game, the people will show up. It always, as it always does for this site, it always almost comes back to scheduling. But <laughs> No, like, never does. Never. <laughs> but like, in hindsight, and like, big, 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 looking back hindsight, the schedule was kind of a blessing because I don't think you established the type of momentum Syracuse did with its home crowds if you don't have this many home games front-loaded in the schedule. Yeah. And, again, I think this is something that should happen more often than it does um, because we have full control over the schedule. I understand there's going to be random road games um, as part of one-on-ones. Like, that's we're never going to be able to do a full non-conference at home. But those games do not have to be, say, Happy Valley. Um, but that is something that is that is on but the like, docket. But like even, but even that, like like the UConn game, like really helped because, mm-hmm. I mean, because it's a major market for where a ton of Syracuse alumni come from. So even though it's not at the dome, there's still going to be a lot of vested interest in that team because there's a lot of Syracuse alumni that come from that area. And I can I can guarantee you. That game was a home game. I think there were more Syracuse fans in that stadium <laughs> than there were UConn fans. And I, just being there, it was it was borderline 50-50. That sounds about right. Uh, we do have breaking news. Oh, oh no. no. Yeah, we have the official Sean Tucker tweet for the uh, week. Oh, wonderful. Oh, Broken 8-12. So we're, we're only a couple minutes off. We're good here live. Sean Tucker is pleased with his performance. Yeah. Uh, so uh, he said he's pl- he's pleased with his performance, but there's more that I can do. He did also shout out the fans and uh, the way they rocked the dome. So I think, uh, yeah, I think my favorite that thing means is, it's a good day. My favorite thing is Tucker starting to abbreviate a ton more and like play with the spacing because he's running out of characters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no. Sp- yeah, okay, I got you now. <laughs> Got to tuck that in. Yeah, so for anyone who was under a uh, log the last oh, yeah. 24 that hours, um, <laughs> did we even mention that no. Syracuse beat no. NC State 24-9? to no. um, Tucker finished with 14 carries for 98 yards and a touchdown on the ground and four receptions for 14 yards. Um, also served as, and I think I threw it out in my live thread, the best decoy you can ever possibly ask for because that whoever we're playing has to mark him at all times. And, and this is something I want to get to as well. And I'm going to, it's another one of my, hey, I'm going to preview this for an article that I'm going to write um, later. Yeah, if, any, if anyone wants the cliff notes on what's coming out on the site the, the future yeah. week, just, you know, listen to the pod. Exactly. Yeah. In- incentive. Um, a Mark Richt uh, brought up a great point on the, uh, on the post game show, basically there in their studio show after, uh, 
after the Q's game leading into the uh, UNC Duke game on ACC Network. He brought up a great point because the logical thing you would think after seeing Syracuse's offense yesterday it should be, hey, let's double Aronde Gatson and, and then you, you solve Syracuse's offense. But what Mark Rick pointed out is when you do that, it opens up opportunities for Schrader to run. Yeah. And that's part of the reason why NC State uh, couldn't contain Schrader as well as they could because they had to keep someone to keep Schrader in the pocket. And once they couldn't do that, and once they had to do that, Gadsden found himself in many one-on-one situations. Yeah, and well, I think we we saw that on the last we saw that on the Gadsden touchdown, and again we've talked about it a lot on this podcast, and we've seen um, you know commentators talk about the the pre-snap motion that back in an A or that Robert and A has really thrown in there, and uh, the Gadsden play is exactly that. Schrader has burned them getting down to that point. Uh, you know, he had the touchdown run that got called back on a play where they really sold out on the pass coverage. And it was, you know, Gadsden's holding play on a key block that actually had the thing that called the play back. But you put him in motion and NC State has decided that Schrader is not going to walk into the end zone. Okay, then we can move guys around, get the matchups we want. And Gadsden is wide open yeah. and it's, it's an easy pitch and catch. Because... Because the best thing about that, I'm assuming you were talking about the second touchdown, right, yeah. Andy? The best mm. thing about that yeah. is that that starts with the fake. It, it, it's a culmination of that game plan from Ine and Beck because it's a culmination of everything that Syracuse had been building up to at that point. They had run multiple fake jet sweeps with Pena, and so NC State had to respect that. They lined up Gadsden at the running back position, which they had done a couple of times before. And Gadsden wasn't always running out to run a route. He was sometimes blocking in those positions. So you had to respect that as well. And because of that, and and due to the fact that Schrader had already burned them a couple of times in that drive, when Pena broke around the edge, both corners stayed for contain, which allowed Gadsden to leak out on the wheel route. Yep. Yeah, and they they used Gadsden in motion a, a couple of times that really threw, like, there was one point where he split wide and he motions back to the running back spot. And I think that was the first time we had seen it on the year and I was just yeah. thrown for yeah. a loop. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh, dude, how, what, what just happened? It was that point in the first quarter where, like, where they, they loaded, they, they shifted balance sides to the left with, like, three people, including yep. Gadsden. Yeah, Tucker, Tucker split out wide, uh, Mang or Ho, Ho, whoever was in, split. Or, uh, yeah, at Ho, yeah, Ho went to the left. Yep, and, uh, and then uh, Gadsden came into the the running back. running back spot, and I'm just like, all right, this is things are going to change. I like this, but they really did uh, alter a lot of that pre-snap motion, what they were doing with it, and what looks it was able to give. And I can see why these Anae and back offenses are very confusing to people because they're confusing to people who know them <laughs> or have been watching them for six or seven games. Well, I, I think the other part, and I, I went on a Twitter thread about this. Um, if you don't follow Stats of War, you probably should because uh, they're going to come up a bunch uh, on this podcast moving forward. Uh, they're the guys that do um, uh, some of the advanced stats uh, previews and head-to-head graphics that are very uh, helpful. But their big thing is EPA and basically expected points per play, which is a very a measure that basically looks at efficiency first and foremost. 
And one of the things they posted a, a chart today, which was basically the four quadrants. You know, you want to be in the upper uh, upper right. That's the good. Upper left is good offense, bad defense. Bottom left is just you're bad. And bottom right is good de- good defense, bad offense. And Syracuse was bottom, in the good quadrant with Clemson. Say, bottom left is where we're usually sitting. <laughs> yes, exactly. We are usually bad at both, especially with efficiency margins. Even that 2018 team didn't rate very highly in SP plus and EPA because it was very boom or bust. It was Dungy to Ishmael, Dungy to Dungy. <laughs> or uh, really hope that somebody breaks something. Uh, But otherwise, it was not a very efficient offense. This year's offense is incredibly efficient, even with Garrett Schrader doing Garrett Schrader things most plays, even with a quarterback that had an interception on a or almost threw a pick on a play where I wasn't sure if he was trying to hit a wheel route or throw the ball away very badly, but he missed a wide open tight end down the field anyways. Right. Like that was, we, that we, was the former. I, 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 on that play, I know exactly what you're talking about. He, he tunneled really hard mm-hmm. and then yeah. at, a, at an overthrew. And it was a pretty yeah. broken play to begin with. And then he just mm-hmm. didn't keep his head on a swivel. Yeah. Right. And the fact that we are, that Ane and Beck have gotten Schrader to a point where they're, Schrader feels comfortable enough to continue to do those things but the overall product is so much more efficient. It's the like, Spencer Hall tweet from yesterday. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> if, you, if you didn't see the Spencer Hall tweet from yesterday, it perfectly encapsulates what Garrett Schrader is at a quarterback. Yeah. It basically was, Garrett Schrader is the most something is going to happen on this play, damn it, quarterback. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, it encapsulates him so well that Christian and I both used the tweet in our recaps. Yeah. <laughs> we saw that and we're like, no, this has to go in there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just, and like, it's not like Garrett Schrader is a different person than he was last year, but it's amazing what a system that is basically working towards his strengths is putting things around him that are easy safety nets. Like there's, again, I'm just amazed about how transformative the offense has been this year in a sense that efficiency is way up and that raises the floor for Syracuse in a lot of different ways. It's going to keep Syracuse in games that we should not be in. Look at Purdue. Uh, High. Like that. This is something that we've not really had under Dino, even at the best of times. Um, And so I'm very excited for the rest of the season down the stretch, even though the teams get tougher because of all the things that we've mentioned so far, like, I think that this is a sustainable model. This is not something that is smoke. That is like smoke and mirrors. This is not something that is based off of poor opposition. This is a legitimate schematic win playing to the strengths of the players that you have out on the field. I, I do have a point of clarification. The offense literally is smoke and mirrors. Like that's the whole idea. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I was going to say, I guess, yeah, modern NFL offenses really are kind of smoke and mirrors now. It's just a matter of, like, are you doing the smoke and mirrors for the sake of smoke and mirrors? Or are you actually, like, is there intent with what with all these motions? Right. Uh, says the guy who's been watching Matt Canada's offense at the NFL level for the last two seasons. Dear God, please, please help me. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> for anyone, since it's, Craig it's incredible to see how different Matt Canada's constant pre-snap motion is to Robert Anae's constant pre-snap motion. Because Matt Canada's pre-snap motions 
don't do anything. No. I would take an A as the offensive coordinator of the Steelers in a heartbeat, but I also want him to stay at Syracuse, so I am conflicted. <laughs> How wild of a, of a random fact do you want right now? Give it. Just give it. That's what this podcast is for. Matt Canada was LSU's offensive coordinator when Syracuse played them in 2017. Mm-hmm. Yep. Forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, if anyone wasn't uh, wasn't here last week, and Craig Bear, I don't know if you listened to the show or not, but uh, I did let I did. you know that I... Uh, y- you did not respond to the text that I had mentioned to the, the crowd that I sent saying apologies in advance uh, when the Bill Steelers beatdown went down, so... I figured that was a... Hey, all of our teams won this week for some reason. (laughs) Somehow. I don't know how it happened, but it (laughs) happened. (laughs) I was also going to... We can save the soccer talk for later, but also, uh, thank you, Liverpool. Just thank you, Liverpool. For those who follow the EPL, you you know what I mean. Uh, But talking, again, uh, before we wrap on the offense like i think there's still a lot to get into on the offensive side of the ball that was uh, including aronde gatson's general game and performance one of the things that i thought was really interesting um and steve i i you know we're queuing up the offensive line talk here when i say okay steve um <laughs> it's, I it's either offensive ge- line or soccer talk that's the only things that come from that intro yeah, i know right uh i thought that the offensive line played relatively well um i don't I'm hesitant to say really well because I honestly was paying more attention to what was happening down the field based off of like how some of the early drives were going with Syracuse. But what I thought they did really well and what they've continued to do against teams with better edge rushing is after that Purdue game where we saw them get manhandled, I think is probably a fair uh, estimation there. They've done a really good job of even when they're beat pushing pressure to a spot on the field that will not cause any problems. And Schrader is stepping up past these, I don't know what the technical term for it is, but in general, it seems like there's just so much more cohesion in the passing and the pass protect right now. And I'm also curious, like if there was something schematically different that helped with the run game a little bit more um, this week uh, in that regard. We'll go to Christian first. I saw the hand go up. <laughs> NC State also runs the three 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 five, which helps tremendously. The big difference in this three three five, though, is that while NC State's linebackers are really good, they didn't use them to nearly the same u- effectiveness or just the same usage as Syracuse's uses their linebackers. Right, and it shows you why. The three-three-five is set up. The three-three-five is is that you can't rely on the defensive line to generate all the pressure. Mm-hmm. It's got to be a combined effort of all six guys, or the defensive linemen and how many other linebackers you're bringing. And because the linebackers didn't develop the same scariness of pressure that the Syracuse linebackers were able to uh, develop, that massively swung things, and it gave Schrader more time. Yeah, the ability to, uh, from the Syracuse standpoint, the ability to walk up those backers in various different looks and the ability to have them be athletic enough to get back to where they need to be when they're fainting uh, really changes that scheme. And being able to bring and drop people on the same play even, you know, uh, you know, a quick faint and drop into a zone, like, uh, and Christian, I'm going to say soft zone, 
don't have a conniption. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it really, really does change that dynamic of the pass rush. Um, you you mentioned the Purdue game. Since the Purdue game, the, the pass pro has changed significantly. And I think a lot of it is what you're mentioning, that the the line, while the line is also posting better, they're also Schrader is also understanding that they're gonna ride a lot of guys and like put their hand on the front hip and just push them past where Schrader wants to drop. Um, what was happening before was he was continuing a drop or he was stepping up into where a guard was trying to ride someone and there was a lot of miscommunication. It seems like a lot of that has worked out. It's really going to need to against Brian Brzee and the wonderful uh mess of Clemson that we're gonna see next week. Um, I'm so scared of how Brian. Yes, see. yes, very much so. Um, <laughs> but how, how was uh, Matthew Birch? How was Matthew Bergeron's experience of playing right tackle? Uh, how is Matthew Bergeron's, you know, presence at interior line because their D tackles are phenomenal as well. <laughs> so almost. Oh, okay. so this is actually we'll get into the Clemson preview in a bit. But one of the things that I think is just hilarious to me is that every time we play Clemson, every time the offensive line all becomes mini incredible hulks. And we talk about this insane Clemson defensive front, and it is insane every year. And the Syracuse offensive line somehow just handles them on a like on a straight win your rep uh, level. And I don't get it. I never will understand it if it continues this weekend, I'm going to call Malarkey and claim that there is something at will going on because it cannot continually randomly happen. Uh, weird, stupid things I just looked up. Uh, Clemson's PFF. Take a wild stab at who graded out as the worst pass rusher against Florida State. Please tell me it was Brzee. Yeah, somehow. That's incredible. Now, unfortunately, on the other side, you have Miles Murphy, who graded out as a 75. Like, oh, okay. Well, well but then let's flip that. Because when you take a look at this week against PFF, NC State's defense is, you know, still pretty good. Yeah. And Bergeron had an 88.2 pass block, and Kalen Ellis had an 85.9 pass block. Yeah. They they really did look good. And the, the line, um, and that was, I mean, that was something that, like, caught me through most of the game. The run block, yes, it's still mediocre at best. However, the, the pass pro, like, drastically changed. Schrader had a lot more time. And this is probably the best front seven that we've seen, well, front six that we've seen um, this year or like as an entire six person unit. Um, yeah. So I, I think I think there's this crazy thing called improvement that we're seeing. And I, I would like to not look a gift horse in the mouth, but would hope that can continue. Um, the fact that we were able to take the bye week and not make it slay us was a <laughs> that, welcome that's, that's the big upset welcome. In all of this. yeah exactly <laughs> uh that was a welcome change and does that say something about the coaching staff change too that happened like for some reason we moved some coaches around and all of a sudden we didn't look like crap out of a bye week so who knows it's we we live in a brave new world that is the uh that is all i can say uh we live in a brave new world and the only thing that you should wear in this brave new world is home field apparel. Bravo, Quality. bravo, <laughs> sir. <laughs> Quality vintage collegiate apparel with all of your favorite logos of your teams and mascots on them. 
they're just comfortable. I'm rocking an auto, the orange hoodie for those on the Twitch stream right now. Uh, it is easily the most comfortable hoodie I wear as we get into prime apple picking, leaf raking weather uh, in central New York and beyond across the Northeast. Pick yourself up a home field hoodie. Pick yourself up a home field crew neck. If you want one that's a little bit more classy for your uh, Saturday, Sunday activities, they now have their uh, core collection, which is the same great quality uh, home field material, uh, but with no funny mascots printed on them. I don't know why you'd want that, but I understand that, you know, there are certain events where maybe showing up with a anteater on your chest isn't quote unquote appropriate. Uh, but either way, no matter what False. you get, that is never not appropriate. It, I, the anteater is always appropriate. Uh, use promo code NUNES, N-U-N-E-S, for 10% off your first order at Home Field Apparel. Uh, additionally, for, I think it's just for this weekend, so for those who are listening, uh, uh, watching live, Home Field Apparel, uh, they have a text message chain that you can subscribe to. Uh, you will get deals from Home Field uh, before anywhere else. They are running a 15% off Syracuse gear until midnight tonight. Uh, with promo code QS15. So noons 10 off your first order. QS15, if you are listening or watching this uh, on Sunday night, that discount code expires at midnight. Gentlemen, uh, it's not going to be long before Aronde Gatson uh, is deserving of a home field apparel shirt all of his own. There's a lot about his performance that I want to get into. Uh, the stats in the first half, especially of Gatson versus everybody else, were slightly terrifying uh, from a holistic standpoint, but impressive from his side. I'm just curious, uh, and Steve, you mentioned this in the Slack. He is creating separation in ways that might not always seem legal, um, but it's working. It's not getting called. And for a guy who, uh, they mentioned this on the broadcast a few times, for a guy that's listed as a tight end, uh, he is the best Syracuse wide receiver. And to yeah. me, there's a lot of resemblance of uh, Chase Claypool, uh, former Notre Dame wide out, who was really more of a flex tight end. Uh, Gadsden really kind of fits that bill of just really intense physical specimen with some precision in ways that you do not expect out of a tight end. Remember after the Purdue game when you said Syracuse might not have a number one receiver on this year's team? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yep, and uh, Gatson said, I am not a receiver, good sir. I am a flex tight end. <laughs> Hi. So crow. I'm still not wrong. <laughs> God, this is true. Now, having stood next to him yesterday, he is a tall human being. Um, oh, really? What gave that away? Yeah, no. Uh, the fact that he can swim move over someone and have it not be illegal. <laughs> because literally, like, everything's happening above the person's. Like, there's no, there's nothing. There's no oh, yeah, contact. When, when there's he, no nothing. When he mossed that guy yeah, uh, towards the end of the really second did. half. That's when you know he was tall. Yeah. Um, the Gadsden, I don't, it's a combination of physical attributes, and the guy runs a 
tight route. Like, there's no reason he should be because it's not like he's catching. He can. He's shown he can catch plays or uh, catch balls in traffic, and catch balls over uh, corners. But at the same time, he is so wide open so often that there is something about the way he is running routes that is just so crisp and tight that how how do you leave the biggest target on the field completely wide open? And, like, the the key example of that is go to the drop that he had in the first quarter and replace him with any other wide receiver. I don't think any other wide receiver on Syracuse even makes a play on that ball. No. No. But Gadsden had such great awareness that that was a play that almost look that looks like it should have been like easily caught. Yeah. But that was only due to the effort that he made when he real but when the ball was in the air and when he looked at his positioning to say, okay, I got to move around this way in order to get it. And it's funny because in the post game, Dino was kind of giving him crap about that <laughs> of like, oh, he dropped one. He doesn't drop one. <laughs> like. It's not a thing. And then he got back on and, you know, grabbed everything else. He didn't have a miss for a drop for the rest of the game. Yeah, and then when you go back to – and then when you take a look at the other wide receivers, like like take a look at Garrett's second interception. Like you could argue that one was on as much on at Courtney Jackson as it was on Schrader. Yeah. Because Jackson should have had more inside leverage, especially yeah. if that's where Schrader's attentions were with the ball, which is – which I can very easily see just based on the concept. Yeah, and that's uh, during the post game. I think he said that um, you know uh, Jackson kind of got boxed out and was sidelined. Like there, there was a conscious effort from that DB to keep him on the sideline and stay inside leverage on him. Which, when you're delivering that ball, like uh, I, I think you're right. I don't think it was an underthrown ball. I think it was more just the DB got the best of him. Yeah. So. I mean, yeah, Schrader threw two picks, but neither of them were, like, bad picks. Like, if conceptually that's where you're supposed to put the ball, okay, you know, it's a 50-50 pick at worst from him or the receiver standpoint. The first one, like, literally everybody that watched it thought it was a dead play, unless I don't know if it looked different on the, the stream. Looked, yeah, on, uh, on, on TV. It looked like he stayed on side, okay. at least on my, in my opinion. Yeah, Schrader, Schrader in the postgame said that he, he literally, after the snap, looked over and it looked like the guy was grabbing for the, the flag. So he just, everybody, it's, you know, on a broken play like that, when you're in that position, everybody goes to the end zone. They just run streaks because it's a free play. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like, you might as well go for gold. And uh, so if you watch, everybody did that, and that's why the end zone was completely full. And he just gave it a huck because he thought, eh, well, you know, we're getting it back anyways. And uh, lo and behold, they didn't. So, thankfully, that didn't come back to bite us. Yeah, uh, I we talked about Tucker, we talked about uh, the offense. I think that series that we're talking about right there is a great segue into the defensive side of this because, man, there were. I, I had it in my recap of at least three huge moments where the defense basically stopped any NC State momentum slash held them to three points when it should have been seven. And that three and out after that Schrader interception was so huge. The game could have very easily swung right there. Uh, NC State was finding running room on the ground. And every time that it felt like NC State was about to claw back at a key moment, the defense just stood up. And 
Um, again, going in before the last drive when they were playing prevent and basically letting NC State get whatever they wanted, Syracuse held NC State to 217 yards over three and a half quarters. Like, that is absolutely insane. And I know that a lot of what NC State was doing was trying to shorten the game and milk the clock. Uh, but in general, I was incredibly impressed with the defense. Um, a couple of guys really stood out to me. Um, but I think that this one, this game, like after Garrett uh, Williams went down, uh, Mikel Jones, uh, somebody, I th- uh, Renegade Pumpkin, who's a Syracuse guy that I th- just pops up on the Noons Twitter all the time. Uh, Renegade Pumpkin uh, called him Mikel everywhere all, all at once Jones, and that just stuck with me. Uh, he really was just kind of everywhere where the ball was near, and I was g- genuinely impressed with the linebackers, especially after we got down to a point where I think Steve could have probably thrown on some pads and played linebacker in that game. <laughs> yeah, we're... To, yeah, to me, the most impressive player uh, was actually Justin Barrick. Because he, it, it seems like, like he was basically, like a secondary guy in terms of leadership to Michael, because he's he's along the lines of like barking the orders and then just playing a really really solid position, as well. Like he's like if he's if guys are heading to him, he's trying he's doing his best to not let him pass. He's holding his position really well. He's yeah, all while like trying to order around the secondary as well, which is impressive. Yeah. I, I don't know the I, Baron. I can't even come to words because Baron played a hell of a game and the secondary for, for what they did, like, especially when both of your starting corners go down, uh, all five of them um, came to play, uh, including Isaiah Johnson made a couple of big plays after he came in for Garrett going down. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. It's this, uh, this injury thing. <laughs> do we, it's, do we want to breach this injury topic? I know we've kind of been beating around it. Like we mentioned Garrett yeah, went it's down. A, it's a, it, it's basically the Wario meme I've won, but at what cost? <laughs> right. A hundred percent because we are now bowl eligible, but we're without it. We did have the return of Derek McDonald, but in this game alone, we had Garrett Williams go down and not be able to put pressure on his right foot. We had, uh, and from what I think came out earlier, that was a th- uh, bone bruise. Um, so we'll see how that recovers. Um, we have, uh, Leon Lowry went down. Um, anybody else of note? Because it seemed like every time I, t- Kevin Darton. Uh, Darton came back in. He came back in, but he went down for an extended period of time. Yeah. Uh, Deuce came out without really much fanfare. Like, he just yeah. wasn't there at one point, and everybody was kind of confused. So, and... Um, my, my, Michael was also out for the end of the three series that, <laughs> that NC State had had. Mm, side, yeah. side note, that second half was wild. I oh, have yeah. only five possessions. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's... Uh, yeah, <laughs> there were only five possessions in thirty in the minutes. Second half. <laughs> so yeah, every time you thought that you looked up, and at mo- a lot of that was because NC State's entire offense was like, "All right, uh, first down, 
all right, we're going to run for like three yards. We're going to get three penalties. We're going to have a 10-yard gain. We're going to shoot ourselves in the foot again, and then we're going to get a first down just barely. And it was never like 10 or 15 yards past the first down. It was literally like a yard past. And you're like, okay, moving the chains. And it's one of those that you see one drive, maybe two drives like that every game. Yeah. Every single NC State drive was like that. It's like, oh, they're still on offense somehow. Okay, cool. <laughs> Yeah, it's th- this whole game was just wild. Um, I I don't even know. Let's get this out of the way. Also, that was very very close, and probably was stupid game territory. Oh no, it had all the hallmarks of a stupid <laughs> game. The, you mean the outside of the three... fact that it was Syracuse and NC State, because that's guaranteed to be a stupid game. <laughs> yeah, but like, but I think that that's where the defense really stepped in. Is that the defense was the one that like prevented this from getting into stupid game territory. There was, and again, the crowd was a huge factor of that. Like NC State gets down to the uh, Syracuse twelve, and you have the botched snap, and you have the false start on the next play, and you basically resign NC State from uh, you know tying the game into making it, and instead it's a ten six game. Um, there's, it, it's just one of these situations where. I, I think that it's not that we've turned a corner. I don't want to say that because it's really, I don't know if you can ever truly turn a corner in college football uh, with the way that recruiting and, and all these things work. But I do think that a lot of what has plagued Syracuse in the past isn't going to be apparent on this year's team as much just because of the players and the coaches uh, and the mix that there is there. Now, what is very Syracuse, and we talked about it, is the, is these injuries. Um, I don't know what the depth chart's going to look like uh, tomorrow when it comes out. I'm I just can tell you, as someone as someone cool. who's wrote that article for the last how many years, it's going to look the same as last week. Yep. Right. But it's just going to be wrong. Like, how many of the guys on the depth chart are just not going to suit up against Clemson? <laughs> it's only going to change if there's a season-ending injury. Right. Right. But yeah. and which again, you hope then that the depth chart doesn't change. Um, but like if we see Garrett Williams dropped off of that, that's not good. Um, like there's there is a legitimate concern that I have where Clemson is big, brutal, and physical, and we get even more injured, and we're looking at like back to 2020 flashbacks of you know 180 pound kids. Uh, going out and playing meaningful snaps and us being in a very bad situation because of that. Hey, Rob Hanna does his best. (laughs) Love Rob Hanna. I'm pretty sure everybody on Clemson is bigger than Rob Hanna. Who actually actually has, like, who who actually wins in a skinny competition? Is it Hanna or is it Dolezal? Dolezal. It's close, but it's Dolezal. Yeah, Dolezal's got the length. Like, he's just he's just lanky. Um, so, anyways. Oh, look, yes, Steve. Looking at this, uh, is Sparrow injured? Yeah, Sparrow's in dress clothes. Okay. I mean, I mean, it was street clothes. Like, he had, he had <laughs> dress clothes, he had a full, <laughs> full tie-in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's, like when, it's like when basketball players wear street clothes on the uh, street clothes on, <laughs> yeah. the si- on the sidelines in, in the NBA. Yep. But, they're all in full suits. Yep. Um, so right now, 
if he's still out and Lowry's out, McDonald's back. Oh God! <laughs> what does our linebacking core look like? Question mark. Question mark. Question like, mark. Like where do we have a six deep? Is that is that physically possible? Like I'm pulling up the roster right now just to make sure, but it seems like we're running pretty thin there. Like, yeah. Thompson's down for the year. If Sparrow's out, Leon Lowry's out. Uh, it's probably Rune. Rune's well, your next Rune's man already, up. He's Rune's already, already on the, the deck. Yeah. Rune's already the backup to Michael, but if um, so, that's one of the two deep. Uh, where do you go from there? Like, it, you ask great questions. You know, you've got a bunch of true fresh, freshmen. You've got a couple of walk-ons. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, the only one who really has any experience is Hayden Bailey. He has experience. Has he been playing special teams? Yeah. Or just the fact that he's boss's son. <laughs> <laughs> is that does uh, that count for experience? Well, it worked for Aronde. Well, I, I think no. He's been playing. I believe he's been playing special teams. Okay, I, I think, think uh, Ryan Dolan has been playing special teams as well. But I, yeah, yeah, was he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Bailey's played in all six games. Okay. Yeah, so he's working his way in. Um, yeah, he's, so he's played in all. Um, but either maybe, way, the fact that we're having this conversation. Maybe, if you really need him, Mikai Mason, because right. he was a pretty – but he hasn't played a snap, so he's probably redshirting this year anyway. But, like, uh. Yeah, so we're getting into getting into some frightening territory here with what uh, what happens on that depth chart if some of these guys stay down or don't get back up. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a, it's a weird, weird situation that we're in. Um, it's nice from my standpoint, it's nice to not have it be the offensive line that we're having this conversation about for once, <laughs> but this is also a very, um, between them and the D line, it's a pretty, pretty tenuous situation. One or yeah, two guys and go and down and Thompson and we're SOL. Yeah. And we, and we talked about this a bit, uh, when we were talking about the offensive line matchup, like Clemson's, uh, defense is insanely good. Um, the, it's going to be a low scoring game. I don't think you can anticipate Syracuse putting up, um, a whole lot of points like Florida state scored a bunch, but that was really once Clemson kind of took their foot off the gas and, uh, the game was in hand. The, uh, when you're, when you're looking at the Clemson offense, I don't, I'm not going to even try to pronounce DJ's last name. I'm, I'm just not. Yeah. Uangale. Uangale. I'm just going to keep calling him DJ. That's easier to say. Less syllables. <laughs> number five. Yeah, number five. That guy. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, number five back at quarterback, like I think he's uh, uh, David Hale because David Hale is great at the Twitter game, posted the player A, player B thing. Uh, DJ stats. Yeah. Yeah. DJ's stats are basically Garrett Schrader's stats. Like the two of them have had almost equally uh, identical seasons thus far. And I think that there is this narrative that DJ is not an elite college quarterback. And I think that there's a narrative that Garrett Schrader is like this. uh, We obviously give him plenty of crap for his decision making. But I think that that kind of shows that like 
both of them are very serviceable, very solid college quarterbacks. Um, is that what either fan base really wants from that QB? Topic for another day. But I think what that means for Syracuse is that you are going up against a capable signal caller. You're going up against somebody who can run a bit. And the linebackers are going to be so crucial to that game plan. And yeah, if you're really thin at that position, if one more goes down, the defensive game plan may have to adjust on the fly. Something that Tony White can do, but you don't want to see, especially if Garrett Williams can't play. Because Garrett Williams has come up big in almost every game against Clemson. Uh, he had that huge pick. If it wasn't last year, it was two years ago. Uh, actually, I think he had his first ever career interception in Death Valley. It was uh, a against... pick six against Trevor Lawrence. Yep. Yes. So, yeah, it's like really could use him in this one. Uh, please get healthy. Otherwise, we're going to see like the first real big test of Deuce Chestnut of if he's ready to kind of ascend to that role of the guy uh, going up against and, that, uh, I, I think, and and that's if who's plays also. Oh yeah. oh yeah, he's hurt too. Because why not? Because well, why this is, not? This is not actually the problem with um, uh, with Clemson. It's that um, they have two positions in which Syracuse has not looked good at defending this year, and that's running back and tight end. And Clemson has a pretty good running back and Will Shipley. And a very good, good uh, tight end this year in Davis Allen. And just looked at a Purdue game. Mm. Like, like Purdue's running back wasn't great, but he, he he did enough to open up the game for Aiden O'Connell. And when Charlie Jones wasn't doing Charlie Jones things, uh, Purdue's tight end was popping off. And then popping off to get penalties, but still popping off. Uh, but, like, those two positions... That's where, goes, that's where it's going to be very important for the linebackers and safeties to do their job very, very well. Uh, because those two guys are unlike any other athletes that Syracuse have faced this year. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting matchup. Um, a lot of their strengths against our weaknesses lining up somehow. Um, Shipley really impressed me, and also some of the ways they used Shipley really impressed me. Uh, against Florida State, but uh, he's in general going to be a bane to what we're what we're trying to defend just from how we've played run defense these past well six weeks yeah. <laughs> at this point. So, uh, well, no, five weeks because Wagner is Wagner. Yeah, and I think one of the one of the things that is kind of positive for the Orange, um, we've seen in these games an ability for Syracuse to make splash plays with gadget plays. Um, Steve, you posted in our Slack, or you tweeted it, I don't remember which one it was, about Valari like, warming up on the sideline. At some point, we talked about all the motion stuff. It really does seem like if we're going to see the lid get taken off of this offense and go a little bit more over the top, this would be a decent opportunity to start, uh, start doing that. <laughs> yeah, we're probably going to see all the stupid this week. I want a Sean I, Tucker. I want a Sean Tucker Wildcat. I mean, that's one of the things that impressed me about Shipley. Uh, was a direct snap to Shipley, and you know him just taking off at at speed towards a gap. And I mean, their offensive line just road graded people. But uh, hopefully, that's not us this week. So was Robert Arnay sitting down with Dan Valari this week 
and showing him just Tafe of Taysom Hill and saying, hey, do that. Yeah, go do this. <laughs> Enjoy. Yeah, pretty much. I hate it. That's, yeah, whatever. I told, I told this guy what to do. You should be able to do the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, forgot. I, literally, I thought you were just talking about Taysom Hill just because, and then I and then I took me a minute to remember. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was his that offensive coordinator. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, at the same time, when Taysom Hill was doing Taysom Hill things against for BYU, were they playing against a front unit of Miles Murphy, Miles Mar- Murphy, KJ Henry, Tyler Davis, Ruka Roro, uh, Trey Williams? Uh, and that, and that's not even mentioning Brzee because he was that far down the PFF rankings. Um, so strangely, uh, last week, I said Brian Brzee was the worst run defender. Who do you think was the worst defender for Clemson overall with a grade of 46.2 overall defense? That's not good. <laughs> no, Tyler Venables. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Brzee had a 49.4. Not great, Bob. But uh, Venables, he only played seven snaps. Was and what's that? I, I don't know. But he looked good before his dad left. So Yeah, I was going to say, I was surprised he didn't ship down to Dorman. Yeah. Oh, sorry, guys. Uh, uh, Bill C's SP plus rankings are out. Oh, well, um, let's, let's go. Syracuse has jumped up from 68th, which is where they were going into the NC State game, to 38th. Oh. <laughs> okay. So we got um, that out of our system. Yeah. Uh, Clemson is. Um, uh, they are number fifteen. So that gap is still a gap, but it's not that big of a gap anymore. Oh, speaking of that, something else we didn't mention all show: uh, Syracuse has jumped in the polls. Yes, uh, number 14 in both the coaches and the AP poll. Um, Kevin wrote this in his article in his wrap-up, and I took me a minute to realize this. Syracuse will probably be ranked for at least the next two weeks, um, this week and the week after, because even if they lose to Clemson, uh, they probably stay in the top 25. They don't. They probably don't fall out of the top 25 even with a loss, um, since it's at Clemson. Uh, everyone expects Clemson to be good. They're still expecting a Syracuse loss here. That's kind of crazy. Uh, yeah. Also, this... I'd, like, I'd like to give out. I'd like to give a shout out to our new friends Robbie Falk, uh, Ron Counts, and uh, Nathan Bard uh, for ranking Syracuse in their AP uh, ballots at number ten. Oh. Okay. Give me narrative or give me death. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Um, this is a thing. Uh, I'll, I'll post that in our Slack. Oh, you know so what? You Robbie Falk did. I I know why Robbie Falk did it. He's a Mississippi State beat writer. It's all the great Garrett Trader connection. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, he's also a Steelers fan for you, Briggs. Yay. Um, I will take that. I'm looking to see where my guy, um, Trevor Trevor Hass, uh, my my former Syracuse classmate. He had Syracuse at number twelve. Good for you, Trevor. Love that. Um, and then Nate Mink had Syracuse at fifteen. So. That's that's that sounds about right. It doesn't sound right just because it hasn't happened in so long or whatever, but <laughs> it sounds like it I, makes I, as much yeah. sense as it could. I, I think also the most notable thing just in the Noons Magician universe about 
this college football AP poll for this week is that Tulane is also ranked. Oh, perfect. Wavy I, McWave face. Uh, Christian, I didn't send it to you, but uh, Pregler and Casillo got a <laughs> sticker. Uh, one of the cars I was parked next to had a sticker of uh, Angry Wave on it <laughs> this week. Yeah, there it is. So I was like, I have we, to send this to those two. I absolutely love this. Uh, the Tulane magic is spreading. The home field Tulane magic is spreading. And I, I think that that synergy is just, just wonderful. I'm here for it. Um, gentlemen, we are reaching the end of our hour. Uh, I no, do want to give you guys an opportunity here to just real quick. I think, I think all three of us are aligned that we don't anticipate Syracuse to defeat Clemson at this time. Um, that being said, scale of one to 44, how stupid does this game get? 88. Grieve. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to go Q uh, as my final ranking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So right. yeah, so there's yeah, there's I gonna think... be weird some things, weird some things happening. Uh... <laughs> 27-24 Ooh, man, that's a deep cut. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, <laughs> it, it's gonna be a score that's just going to like cut on a few different levels. <laughs> I'm not ready for it. I'm not ready for this game. I have a wedding. I'm actually going to a wedding of a former auto uh, that day in Pittsburgh. So I will be in Pittsburgh watching this game with a bunch of other former Syracuse autos. Uh, and then we'll be going to an that auto is, wedding. That is going to be the wildest experience. <laughs> Syracuse was... better fucking win. You, but no, no. This is, this is a good how omen. How are you a former auto and schedule a wedding on a Syracuse football day? How? So this is this is actually a good omen because I think I've told the story before. The 2019 Clemson win or the 2017 Clemson upset, I was not there for because the group of uh, the group of people that I had season tickets with, they want uh, two of our friends wanted a fall wedding, so they scheduled it for a Friday night the year before, thinking, okay, there's no chance we'll have a Friday night game. Like, let's do that, and that way we can still go to the game on Saturday. And uh, they proceeded to do that. It happened to, once the schedule came out, be the Clemson game. So I gave my tickets to my good buddy. I was like, here, these are yours. We're going to the thing. This was a month after Sebastian's born. Uh, like, we're in no shape to go to the, the game and whatnot. And we're like, all right, we're going to buzz out to the wedding, watch the reception, eat dinner, come home. So we did that. And the entire, um, the entire time we're sitting at the reception through dinner and through, like, all the speeches and whatever we're sitting there and the table is all of us that had season tickets and the groom <laughs> keeps coming over. Cause we're watching it on the phone. It was like that. So there was a wedding that one of us attended that night as well. So this is a good omen. Pregs. This is a very good omen. Was, Ooh. That, was that your first dome storming that you've been in attendance for uh, Steve? Uh, no, uh, there were a couple others, uh, less, um, a couple others with less justification uh, that happened over the course. I think the Vatek game they stormed too, didn't they? The yes, Vatek I was there for that. Yep. Yeah, that um, was my first one. I've been, I've been, I've been in a dome for three: one for football and then two for basketball. Oh, nice. Yeah, I didn't. It was one of. The, it just surprised me because I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> yeah. So I was mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, we're doing this. Okay, cool. 
And then the people just kept coming. I was like, this is, they're like trickling in at this point, but they're still coming. But I think that shot, the, the last shot I had that I tweeted out, I was like, that's actually a pretty good picture with the bull bound and all that. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll at least accept that. But yeah, I, I'll accept it. The, the storming uh, for, the storming for bull bound was like, okay. I will say this. This is just another uh, line of a family weekend upset. Um, shout out to the 2011 family weekend upset of West Virginia in the Dome, a.k.a. the Chandler Jones got himself drafted uh, game. Mm. That'll do it. Yes. Yeah. Family weekend. You do not want to be a ranked team coming into the Dome. Bad things will happen to you. <laughs> uh, on that note, thank oh, no. you to everybody. Oh, who no. Came. We're not doing this. Without talking men's soccer, because we had we had a top fifteen matchup uh, on the men's soccer side too, since Syracuse knocked off, uh, well knocked off, even though they were higher ranked, um, number eleven Louisville on the road, uh, with oh a, I did see that yeah with a two one scoreline, so uh, Mac and the team keep rolling, they're finishing out the season uh, at home against Bucknell on Tuesday at NC State uh, this weekend. And then, or nah, yeah, this weekend, and then at or home against BC the following weekend. So right now they're sitting at uh, eleven two and one, with three very winnable games. Seeing NC State and BC are the two uh, lowest current ranked teams in the Atlantic, um, and a Bucknell team that's Bucknell. So Patriot League. <laughs> so it seems like Max like. They're, they're they're finding their way into the you know if they win out they're what 14 two and one that's I, I think outside of maybe Duke is who they're looking at for a fighting for the one seed in the ACC tourney and then you know that's that's a top seed you know playing home games the entire way through type record for the NCAA so if things keep pushing the way they are we're looking at a, a good postseason draw and hopefully uh, making some noise in the the college cup here. Genuinely happy that men's soccer and men's and football are both doing good in the same season. It is this podcast's catnip. Absolutely here for it. It's a side um, note. Bucknell was two and 11. Ooh. What's that? That is uh, not what you want. But Bucknell was two and 11. Not great. No, I think we got that one in the bag. Knock on <laughs> something. I'm knocking on the wood desk that I have here. Um, gentlemen, it has been great. Uh, everybody listening, it has also been great. Thank you for joining us again on yet another edition of Troy News is an Absolute Live uh, Podcast. Uh, do you got to remember how to... It's an Absolute Live Podcast, folks. It is an Absolute yeah. Live Podcast. Exactly. It's a live cast for some, podcast for the rest. Um, if you are watching this live, thank you. We really do appreciate it uh, for spending your Sunday night with us. If you are watching this uh, on the News Magician website, thank you for coming to the site. This week is going to be ballooning with content uh, as Syracuse plays Clemson in a huge game. Uh, and for everybody who's listening to this on your podcast oh, provider yeah. of choice, thank you so much. We really do appreciate the listens. Make sure that you rate us, review us, subscribe, give us five stars, so that way we can trick the AI into expanding the Ottoman Empire Gentlemen, Syracuse is 6-0 and for the first time since 1987. <laughs> and go Orange. Go Orange. Go orange.